0: Hi, welcome to another episode of Amplify Your
1: Soul. I'm Jen. I'm Juliet. And I welcome our guest, Nancy Scheel from Whole Medium Academy. She has been our instructor in Level Mediumship One. She is a co-founder of Whole Medium Academy. Her and Amy and Sharon um, have created this wonderful space for developing mediumship and also um, addressing coaching and critical voice issues. Thank you, Nancy, for coming on our show.
2: I couldn't be happier than being here with the two of you today.
0: And I'd like to just add that Nancy is the whole in Whole Medium Academy, since <laughs> she brings personal growth and the way in which we can all grow not only our spiritual gifts, but our own personal growth, which then in turn helps the spiritual gifts flourish. So thank you for what you do and what you bring. Why don't we just get right into the questions? Julia?
1: First of all, I did want to say that um, in taking Level um, 1 Mediumship, uh, the Level 1 Mediumship course with you, I really found it so interesting to have um, your thinking come into play, right? Because as we dive into this area, of connecting with the other side, we still have our human left brain self going, what is going on? And you add so much to that um, because you have the perspective of, look, we're still human. This is what we need to deal with. We still have some issues um, of our own that we can address in order to um, make ourselves become, how should I say it, um, more open to receiving messages from spirit. Is mm-hmm. that is that correct? Yeah, I think that's a fair description.
2: Um, I do. I do consider myself an analytical thinker, and I have really strong claircognizance, which means that I I know things. And for most of my life, I didn't know that's what it was. I thought I just you know had a good rational analytical mind. So I do bring that, um, and I welcome it. And we try to make a lot of space in our classes for people who do have that sort of strong left brain or analytical way of looking at things that doesn't exclude anybody, but we try to be really inclusive because for some people, that's their experience of intuition and mediumship is like very from their headspace.
1: Yeah. Thank you for saying that because I also think left brain um, also allows us to go, is this real? Is this really what's going on? And you address some of those issues uh, with us in our own brain, (laughs) all the thoughts that we have in our own brain and what's going on with that.
2: I think that that um all of us instructors really prioritize safety and support, and that does come now, stepping back into my background, being a coach and learning what it takes to create safety for another person to where they can step into their own discomfort, right and talk about hard things, share difficult feelings, explore challenging decisions or what have you. Um, If somebody doesn't feel safe, they are not going to do that. And so for years, my job as a coach has been create a safe atmosphere. So that was extremely transferable from how I've been working for years into the classroom. And it's also very natural for both Amy Utzman and Sharon B. Jones, our other instructors, um, for them as well. We're, We're all kind of cut from that same cloth about creating safety.
1: So Nancy, please tell us about your role in Whole Medium Academy and the courses that you offer.
2: Sure. So I I do kind of everything except the mediumship part. <laughs> um meaning I'm so I'm a co-founder with Amy Utzman, first of all. This was um this was truly our our brainchild together. We each brought different perspectives and we were very much united in what we wanted the school to be and how we wanted it to be. So we're, we're both co-founders. Um, we're both instructors. Amy's the lead instructor, but I am also an instructor. And I am a I also offer coaching, uh, both individual and group coaching, through the school. And my prior background includes coaching. So that's a different, um, it's just that we try to offer a variety of ways of learning. So those are my role. And then I'm also just general administrator. I kind of do everything in the background. Um, and I'm an instructional designer by, by education. So I bring that lens to all of our course development. Amy and, uh, and Sharon really drive the subject matter in terms of mediumship mechanics and being a medium um, ethics, professionalism, and then I bring in uh, the whole person perspective and sort of the how do we how do we present this in an instructionally effective way?
0: It's working. Thank you, thank you, Nancy. What were your original goals in developing Whole Medium Academy? Thank you for that question.
2: Um, this goes back really to Amy's Amy Utzman's Experiences as a developing medium and as a professional medium, and my let's say you know being on that journey with her as her as her spouse and her partner. So what we saw, what we really understood is that uh, being a medium, doing mediumship connections, is a very sacred role, and just like many other roles in life, could be therapist, could be coach, could be doctor, could be attorney, manager, anything, right? the more that an individual is healthy, emotionally healthy, physically healthy, mentally healthy, um, good boundaries, solid sense of self, the better they can be in service to their clientele. So mediumship is no different than any other profession where you really want that medium to be, to be healthy. Um, so we were coming from the perspective of what does it take you know, to develop in that way. And that's kind of where my coaching perspective came in and Amy's own, own journey, you know, through her life and her personal growth path that she's um, she's talked about. So the more that she was out in mediumship and the more we kind of started looking around, the more we realized uh, not to go too much to the dark side, but there really is a potential um, for somebody to inadvertently hurt a client not because so people are pretty much always well intentioned we we come from that perspective um however if you're not aware of let's say your emotional state or your psychological stuff it's it's too easy to project and projection comes in the form of how the medium may relate with their client but as you guys also know the information right so if we're not fully grounded centered in our power then you know we're giving evidence and all of a sudden our stuff mingles with the communication and what comes through is not is not fully of the spirit communicator and we want it only of the spirit communicator so there's all these different aspects but it really all rolls up into one thing we want the medium to be solid healthy feels safe feels confident and therefore can be in the greatest service in what they what they're choosing to do however that may be whether they're professional or friends and family, or even just making their own connections, it all still applies. So that, that, that was the goal. That was a long answer. The goal is healthy, strong, confident mediums, period, end of story. That's the, what is it? Too long, didn't read version. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that uh, was perfect yeah. though. I love that explanation because, um, as a medium, you have to, you're, you're your own person and you're developing a message as, or delivering a message. Uh, but if you're in a place of um, pain and you have a lot of trauma in your background and you can't let go of that, some of that stuff, um, that some of the readings, I, I've had my own ego come in to some of the stuff that was brought to me. And and because the stuff that was brought to me wasn't in the pleasant in a pleasant way, I added my own ego on top of that. And the message kind of uh, went ski a little bit. Um, and that can right. happen.
2: Right. Or um, or the connection goes wonky. So let's say that the content of the reading, this is the word that Amy and I typically use, is that there's resonance. So there was something in your life that was difficult for you. It could have been 40 years ago, but whatever, it was difficult for you. And then, you know, it just so happens that the content of the reading is similar. What may happen if we haven't done our personal work is that we get activated. And this is where critical voice comes in, because the critical voice, which we could also call it the inner judge. Some people call it the inner critic, but most people know that sort of naggy, icky voice or feeling, right? The the not in our stomach, the tension, the sweating. Um, Essentially, what's happening in that moment is the medium feels some level of danger or threat. Now, it doesn't actually exist because the thing happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. However, the echoes of it are still there. So and because the because that let me I'll try to use something specifically, it could be a death of a family member, let's say a death of a sibling, right? So because this what they're hearing from the spirit communicator has some level of matching, they become destabilized, they become anxious, fearful, whatever. And now we get, the now the link goes wonky. It gets it gets weakened or the two things come together like you were saying, Juliet. So lots of things, it can impact us in many ways. But in any case, we don't want that, well, in several ways. We don't want the medium to feel, you know, those in danger and we don't want the sitter to end up
1: getting stuff that isn't theirs. Thank you so much for that answer. And sure. it brings me to a question. That it might be a little bit off topic topic of what we originally want to talk about, but do you find that happens more with people who are trying to connect with loved ones versus giving a um, reading, like a professional reading?
2: That's a really interesting question. I I don't, okay, let me take a step back. So usually if people are only interested in connecting with their own loved ones, typically they are going to be more in sort of the beginner phase of their learning journey. What we see is that as people sort of Gain more skill and confidence. They they will then want. Usually, they want to share it. So, if somebody is only connecting with their loved ones, they're probably more in the early part of the journey. And what we see is not so much the resonance that I was just speaking about of a difficult matter, but just the whole thing itself. Like, is this real? Am I just imagining it? Um, I don't. I don't want. If I'm just imagining it and it's not real that I'm going to be disappointed and this is all garbage. And so it's more around mediumship connections versus a specific difficult topic. That's, that would be
0: what I've seen. You were talking about critical voice and Juliet, I believe mentioned ego in one of her questions. What is the difference between ego and critical voice in your experience? So <laughs> this i probably should punt to dr
2: Cardula, the you know licensed psychologist however um so i'm going to say ego is used in a couple different ways there's sort of the freudian way but i think the most of us use it in a, a little bit more of a vernacular way um so i'll say what i think you mean by ego and then you can you we can go back and forth i think when when people like us or people on a spiritual journey talk about ego i think they're usually talking about the part of themselves the, sort of the human part, the part that can feel fear, can feel anxiety, can feel possessiveness, can feel envy, can feel doubt, in contrast to the part of ourselves that's sort of that e- eternal part, the essential part, the part that some people would say is of God or of spirit, right? Is that what you mean when you say ego? Just to... That, that's- yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's uh, when my guides told me it's there to protect you, it's not evil. It's you're, you know, it's there to protect you, uh, you know, danger, danger. Right. Um, But at the same time, it comes into play with doubt and, you know, oh, you shouldn't do this because X, Y and Z will happen and create scenarios in your head that you don't necessarily need (laughs) to have, um, you know, while you're trying to do something positive. So, yeah, yeah, that's my definition of ego. (laughs)
0: Would you say critical voice is a part of ego? In a
2: technical sense, probably, and they may even be equivalent. So let me talk just a little bit about critical voice and we can tease out if there's a difference. So uh, critical voice is, is a part of us. It is not us, but it is certainly a part of us. And, and I want to credit Dr. Lynn Karjula. This is her um, concept. And she explains it very well in her book, Healing Everyday Traumas. And she's, you know, as you guys know, we brought her in. We're delighted to have her as faculty now. So I just, I want to make sure that I I credit her properly. So the critical voice is a part of us. And we, we do create it when we're around four years old to be a protector. So it always has a positive intent. And that's actually one of the big teachings for most people, because it feels awful most of the time, you know, it, it makes us feel physically you know bad and it says things like you're stupid and you're not good enough and critical right so how could that be positive but it we do in fact from a psychological standpoint create it to protect us so the intent is that it's kind of like a lookout and it's telling us hey something difficult is coming something dangerous is coming get ready um the prop there's a number of problems with it and this is you know where it intersects with what you're talking about, like the difficult aspect of ego. The problem with it is that cognitively it is about four years old. So there's irrational aspects, there's black and white thinking, um, takes everything personally, and so on. So what I want to so the a healthier version, let's talk about that because I personally don't believe that eradicating the ego is the spiritual goal that we should aspire to. I don't think it's possible. Um, and I think that if we try to do that, we're going to be missing out on the whole human side. I'm very much about, let's be a human and let's be spirit and let's be both at the same time or go back and forth. So Couldn't agree better more. better version of, of the critical voice, let me use an example. Think about the last time you felt a little anxious about something. Maybe you had a, a client meeting or you were doing a presentation or, you know, you just had to do something. You're a little bit anxious about it. So anxiety per se is not bad. Sometimes anxiety is a little bit helpful at saying, hey, you need to prepare for this thing that you're about to do. So get your butt in the chair, you know, do whatever it is that you need to do. That's healthy. That's constructive. That is supportive. What is not healthy, constructive, and supportive is the second part. If you don't prepare, you will fail miserably. You will make a fool of yourself. Everybody will laugh at you. Your career and life will be over. That's the part when we do work on critical voice. That's the part that we want to heal, release, get out of the way, etc. Because that part, that's not the true part. You could do your presentation or your meeting or whatever. You can flub your way through it. Doesn't mean you failed. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything. It means you tripped over your words or what have you. But that's the part, that sort of exaggerated, catastrophizing part. That's the part that we want to heal. So I don't know how you guys put that together with ego, but that's how that would be my way of talking about it.
1: I actually think that's perfect. And I love how you divide it into two sections, right? Because, you know, every time I do an interview, I'm nervous, I'm anxious, get your butt in the chair. That's, that's what I say to myself, you just got to be present and get your butt in the chair and start talking. Um, but the other side of it is the critical side, right? If I don't do this, then, you know, I'm not going to be able to, for me, it's I'm not going to be able to serve my soul and, and I'm not doing this again. So I better serve my soul, right? So um, I don't want to be critical. But my guides also told me, and I'm going to say this to our audience, that your e- your ego is, is is good. And like you said, I love the four-year-old analogy. It's the four-year-old that wants to protect you. Um, they told me to say to them, thank you for your service. I do not need you at this time. Please step aside and thank them. And and I'm getting chills as I say this right now. As we know, in media shit, that's a ding ding. Yeah. But um, <laughs> So, and that's how we honor them for their service, uh, you know, our inner child at four years old, perhaps, or something. Thank you for your service of protection. I don't need you right now. And uh, please step aside. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And
2: that's exactly the way that Dr. Karjula teaches and that we're teaching. Maybe the language is different. Um, so her, so when, so first is becoming aware right? Aware that you have a critical voice and then awareness of how does it show up for you? And again, individual journey, right? Everybody's going to experience that differently, but but we want to know, oh, okay, that's what's happening right now. Critical voice is kind of active, right? So there's that awareness. And then there is the second part, which we could use the word unblending. Dr. Karjula uses that word, unblending. Her um, a focus of her clinical practice is um, Did and I'm blanking out. Dissociative disorder, dissociative identity disorder, um, also previously known as multiple personalities. So there's this whole concept of unblending that she talks about. But even for us who don't have that diagnosis, when we're when the critical voice or ego is really doing its thing, we're 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 like one. So what we want to do is unblend, as you said, or your guides. You know, thank you can you step aside? And so what Dr. Karjula has said is that if you're talking to that part of yourself, we want to be directive. Um, We want to use a tone of voice that is firm and pleasant. So again, thinking of a four-year-old yelling at them, berating them, not helpful, being compassionate, but also firm. Like, no, we're not negotiating this. I need you to sit in that chair, or I need you to go in that other room, or I need you to go into timeout, right? So we don't want to become that like the permissive parent, but we also don't want to be awful back because that is, once we get into that back and forth, it's no win. You guys know that. It just spirals,
0: yeah. And this is answering one of our questions without us asking it, which is how does critical voice coaching that you do at Whole Medium Academy play into developing mediums but also play into how it plays into life in general.
2: Right. Right. So as you mentioned, we we in level 1, which is not the beginner course, level 1 we we devote um either one or two entire classes to that. I know you guys had just one, but the current cohort uh, got to just because they're a smaller group. Uh, we start mentioning it in foundations, and then it will be continue to be mentioned in level two for folks who go on. So why does it matter? Um, so we've talked about already a little bit about being in the mediumship space, right? What I've observed is that whatever a person's critical voice is going to say or do, however it shows up, it's going to be pretty much the same across different situations or domains in their life. It's not like the critical voice is going to have one presentation when you're practicing mediumship, and a different a different presentation when you're talking to your um, partner in life, or your kids, or your best friend, and getting into a tiff, or whatever. Whatever its fear is, or its particular insecurities and anxieties, it will show up. So i'll just I'll just share mine as an example. Um, So throughout mine, my critical voice will quickly go to. Um, some form of you failed, kind of a black and white that 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 was a failure, or a, a really lovely extension. You failed and you hurt somebody else along the way, or disappointed them. Right? There's this whole little package, so that message can show up in in any particular way, in any particular way. So the how does the what does the coaching do? The coaching gives the individual or student, you know, student in class, an opportunity. To get really clear on what's my version, what triggers it, what makes it show up, what does it feel like, what does it sound like, what does it look like, right? Even to others, how do others know when my critical voice is going crazy? Once we have that awareness, then we can apply more of, Julia, what you were talking about, which is space from. So. Getting space from is sort of an in the moment mindfulness sort of approach. We can take it one step further, and that's what the coach, individual coaching and group coaching does, which is actually um, going more to the root of the issue and taking it out. So let me say just a little bit more about that. So Dr. Cardula and I use a, a modality that works with the the mind, the body, and that wider energy system all at once. So the essential belief system here is that experience that have happened to us, our critical voice's response is held in place by patterns. So patterns of thought, that would be um, neurological, right? If you may have heard the phrase um, neurons that um, fire together, wire together. In other words, the more you think or the more you have a certain emotional experience, the more it kind of solidifies. So there's some unwinding to do. So it's held in place by patterns in the brain and muscle memory. So if you think about getting in your car and driving, you don't really mostly have to pay attention. Critical voice, fear, same thing. So whatever way I will again use myself, my critical voice tends to armor up. So I get really tight all the way down the front of my body because it's literally, let's put up a wall so muscle memory and then the energy that we can't see is i would say hmm the the distortion in the energy field is because we're holding something in the mind body energy and then that's getting in the way of us connecting with spirit in whatever way guides mediumship or just our own right our own sense of that so we use without going into too much of it we use a method that Um, we identify our goal. We identify what's in the way. So what's the irrational critical voice belief or the difficult emotion like my guilt, my anxiety, my overwhelm, my fear. We identify those things. We determine if there's any reason that the mind won't let it go because remember, it's protective. So we might say, I want to release my anxiety about doing a a, a mediumship practice, but the critical voice is going, "Uh, no, no, not safe, not safe at all. So we've got to work, we've got to loosen up a little bit. Then we can release from that wider system, either working with the chakras, working with tapping, working with the biofield. At that point, we can insert any number of, let's say, techniques. Um, And all along the way, actually, we measure too. So we measure before and after. What's the intensity of that belief or fear? Scale of zero to 10. And then our, our goal is zero. So you may be able to say, I have a meeting coming up. I know I need to prep. And I've been delaying on that. But what you don't have is the charge, the and, oh my God, it's just like, oh yeah, I need to go prep. Let me go do it. Not I need to prep, Ah, right? That's the difference. So that's what the either individual coaching or group coaching. And the other piece of it is that we teach people how to do that process for themselves because. Ultimately, we don't want you dependent on anybody. We want you to be able to take it, run with it, do it for yourself. That's a real
0: objective. Uh, Nancy, do you invite anyone who is interested in working on their critical voice to take your group or individual coaching, or do you have to be working on your mediumship or psychic development?
2: You don't have to be. So I'll give you kind of a two-part answer. So, um, Outside of Whole Medium Academy, I'm a coach, I have clients. And so we may work with Critical Voice, we may work with other modalities, people can have various goals. Within Whole Medium Academy, when we when we advertise, you know, because Whole Medium Academy is usually people interested in intuition, we we draw the parallels and we say, well, how does this help you with your intuition? But in fact, anybody really can join us. Um as we just were saying this applies equally to life issues as mediumship. So if somebody were, I guess I would say it this way. Well, if somebody's not interested in spiritual journey, intuition, metaphysics, they're probably not on Home Medium Academy and they're probably not watching us right now. Um, Those people would probably approach me outside of the school. But for anybody who's watching today, most likely, uh, yeah, sure, approach us through the school and uh, there'll certainly be a place for you even if you're not trying to learn mediumship.
1: Yeah, and I just I I just wanted to say that it sounds like, you know, you're removing that armor, your critical voice, uh you're bringing more love to yourself and my guide's always at the forefront. Self-love, self-love, self-love is the goal and it sounds like your uh, your courses are really designed to remove that armor and bring in more love to yourself.
2: That's a beautiful way to put it. Um, I would say we don't use that language, but you are absolutely right. And that is what, you know what, that is what happens. So I know one of the things that we had thought to talk about was uh, a spiritual journey and advice for beginners, right? And I certainly can speak to that because uh, my spiritual journey started when I saw Star Wars, the very first Star Wars at age 13. And there was this whole, you know, may the force be with you. And I'm like, is that a true thing? I want that. That better be true, right? But being in a household <clears throat> where we didn't say these words, you know, it was only much later that I developed that. So coming back around to self-love, I think that the spiritual what happens in the spiritual journey is not additive. We're not adding something. We're not bringing something on. What we're doing is actually releasing, letting go, shedding. We are trusting, allowing, and what happens is as you know you can almost think of like a car that went through the mud or we ran through the mud, <clears throat> that as the dirt is washed away, dirt being anxieties and fears and all these different things, as all of that washes away or is healed or released, what is left is self-love, love for others, compassion, uh truth sort of that sense of align, not truth, like my truth is better than your truth, but just alignment and light. So it's not, so for beginners or anybody, it's not like, go find the light. It's like, clean up. The light's there. The light was always there and it is there. And it's just waiting to be expressed. So absolutely, Juliet, it is about self-love and love for others for many people, including me, self-love is a scary term. And I, think- I know, yeah, if, you'd, if you had mentioned that to me six, seven, eight years ago, I would be like, I'm not having this conversation. Like, you're a crazy person. I'm not talking about this. Right? Right. And
1: now I, and now I can, for so many reasons. Well, some, so I had somebody um, watch one of my videos and they said, well, how do you love yourself? And you just answered. Let's start with removing the junk, right? Let's just get rid of the junk, and that's that's what you do. So we appreciate that. But I do have to mention one thing. You you said um, the for, May the Force be with you, right? In Star Wars, that was thirty years ago. And now look at us. What is the saying now? This is the way, right? From Mandalorian. I mean, that's how far we've moved, right? Thirty years ago, it was let's get that concept. And now we're in this is the way, right? We're being guided toward that way. So thank you. Oh, I just want to say yeah. thank you for that work and the word the work that you do because I think that's so important. Yeah, yeah,
0: wonderful. Nancy, is there anything else you'd like to add about self love? It is such an important concept.
2: Yeah. So um, there's a part of the of this coaching process, and we we call it clear, create, transform. That's just the name that we use. Um, there's a part of it where I said when we we need to work with the if part of us is not ready to let go of a fear or let go of anxiety, right? The way that we work with it is we incorporate a particular affirmation. And so what we'll say is something along the lines of, even if I can't, or let me start over with that. Even if it's not safe for me to release my anxiety about practicing mediumship, here's where the self-love comes in. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Now, when I first trained with Dr. Cardula, um, one of the things that we can do as practitioners is we can customize that part. And we often do with the client. But what she said was, have them choke out the strongest version of that that they can, which I will say the strongest version of self-love. So when we say, even if it's not safe for me to release my anxiety about practicing mediumship, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. You don't even have to believe I deeply and completely love and accept myself. You just have to, as she says, choke it out. And so when I first was using this method for myself, I did choke it out. I was like, this is awful. And, but there's a sort of a desensitization. And the more you do it, the more you can say it and the more you can accept it. And I think the more you then live into it. So that's what I, um, that's something to add about self-love, because even though I said we don't necessarily use that language, but it is absolutely
0: part of the process. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that tool that people can use to work on loving themselves.
2: And well, and if they are, um, we usually we pair it with something that we do with the body. So probably the easiest uh, way to do that is that we we actually tap here. I'm just gonna, for teaching purposes, keep it simple. Just tap this whole area of the of your hand continuously, and you make that statement three times. Uh, which there's nothing magic about three. That's just to ensure that you're kind of working long enough to actually have that energetic impact. So yes, there you go. People
1: can definitely use that. It's interesting. Um, tapping has been um something that's been on the forefront of what I've been watching, and I've never heard of it before. But it's actually been a proven method for uh, a lot of different um uh, uh, traumas. For example, PTSD and things like that. They use tapping. Uh, That And so that tapping um, element is part of your uh, workshops?
2: Yeah, it is. And as is sometimes working with the chakras. um, So we have something called breathing the chakras, which means it combines the intention to cleanse, mindful breaths, certain visualization, um, and the intention to release. So yeah, we have a number of different things and tapping is one of them. Um, it could be tapping for those for those listeners who know EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. Uh, sometimes we do the full tapping sequence and sometimes we do a a customized version or just a couple of points. Um, so we have we have lots of tools that we can bring in.
0: And the lawyer in me just wants to add that we are not here to give professional advice in terms of how best you can heal yourself and so right. we certainly recommend anyone seeking the treatment that they may need we're just here to give you some tools that could help you in your spiritual growth and development and uh move forward in a positive way i actually want to speak to that for just a
2: moment because it is so important anybody seeking any service but since we're talking about growth um, it is so important for an individual to feel in alignment with wh- whatever teacher coach therapist etc that spiritual guru wh- whatever um, and to feel in alignment um, we've had I've worked with clients in the past who let's say sampled a lot of different teachers and they didn't have this sort of strong how can I put it It didn't occur to them that maybe a particular provider wasn't healthy, wasn't the right provider for them. So I want to echo what you're saying. I mean, you're saying from a legal perspective, but I want to say from a just an alignment perspective. In this case, you do want to have a critical lens, not critical like criticizing, but anytime you're considering working with anybody, you want to have that evaluative lens. You know, what are their values? What are their beliefs? What's their mission? Who do they work with? How do they work? What are the ethics? What's the professionalism, right?
1: So- Yes, and, you- and I want to add to that because I'm I'm really outspoken on this. I will be very, very, um, I, I will just be very forthright in what I say. If that person does not resonate with you, I don't care. And it does not make you feel good about yourself in any way, shape or form. I don't care what their profession is or who they are to you in your life. Move on, <laughs> move on
2: absolutely, and maybe someday we do we can do another, but just the I'm just going to throw in the topic of narcissism that we do get people in leadership positions, spiritual gurus, and so on that are able to um make the appearance of love and charm and attraction and energy, so anybody who in their background may have suffered abuse at the hands of a narcissist may have a blind spot going into that. So we don't need to go down that path, but it is something that does come up for people on a spiritual journey, for sure.
1: Thank you for bringing right. that up. And we mentioned that a lot in our little chats that Jen and I have together, yeah. um, because it is important yeah, to mention. A- yeah. It's really hard not to know when the critical voice is helping us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in this sense. And like you said, the first part of it, um, use your... Uh, critical voice to discern what might feel right for you and or what might not feel right for you and just don't go blindly believing what's out there. Right. And maybe
2: there's a helpful distinction here. Dis- you you just said it, your discerning voice or your discerning mind as distinct from the critical voice. The critical voice being the one where the, the irrational aspects are built in, but a dis- the discernment we should always use discernment when we can for everything. So yeah, that's a great, you know, that's a great um, way to label them and make them distinct.
0: And you also use the term critical lens, which is distinct from critical voice. So the critical lens is the same as a discerning voice or a discerning look.
2: Right, right. That word critical can be used in so many different ways. So yes. Critical lens is kind of like that analytic, that going back to what we start, where we started, right? That left brain, okay, let's look at this thing. Let's break it down. Um, we could also call that the sort of critical lens. Yeah, discernment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Nancy, why don't you tell us a bit about your background and anything you've done intuitively so our audience could get to know a little bit more about you and your personal growth?
2: Yeah. So um I actually at one point started using the word bilingual for myself. Um, because I was I was so in terms of my work, I was deeply entrenched in corporate life. I've, you know, played a number of different roles in all kind of different companies. So there was sort of the, you know, suit up and go into work part of me. And then, you know, on the side, I was taking classes and learning about intuition and so on. So um one of the things i guess one of the places i well i should say where it really started for me was when i um did my own coaching certification which was in 2005 and or 04 i think it was so there was they were not religious but they were overt about sort of spirituality being one of several aspects of a fully healthy and integrated individual so that was kind of the first time like i it was presented to me as this is a thing and it's a good thing and you should develop it. So that was my first kind of where I first started into it. Some years later, I went through a program, which, um, and I'm going to share something here that I learned recently, program that describes itself as uh, shamanic energy medicine. A lot of people call themselves shamans today or talk about shamanic learning. Um, I was at a conference two years ago and a Native American woman spoke about many things, including the term shaman and shamanic. And suggest or didn't suggest. She directly said, "Don't use it. It's not, um, it's not a term that the Native Americans or Native people would use, and it doesn't mean what you think it does. And just don't use it." So I don't want to. Call, I'm not going to call it that, but I will say that it was a pretty rigorous program in learning to work with chakras, um, doing uh, journeying, so kind of going into an alt- state of altered consciousness. And allowing, I guess now we would say, now I would say guides are part of that. I don't think that was my language then, but going on an internal visual and experiential journey that results in insight or healing or growth. So I did that um, over a a period of a year. I then got really, really sick. I got chronic fatigue, um, which was my body and spiritual growth journey journey to get me out of the corporate role because I never would have left, but I needed to. And it took me out, I couldn't work. I actually went on disability for 18 months. Yeah, wow. it, it. Yeah, so because I wasn't gonna change my life, me, the human, right? So it, it was like, no, we're changing your life. We're taking you out, boom. So it took me out. So I actually didn't complete that piece of that uh, energy medicine until like four or five years later. And by that time I had met Amy, And I always say that Amy and I were kind of going through life like this. She was a chef and I was a corporate person. We met and then we started walking together forward. We just together, the direction changed. So while she was opening up as a medium and a psychic, I was already doing things that I would have said were more about, you know, hands-on healing. Um, And then as I learned about what the... Once... I learned about Claire's that was like a different vocabulary for the same kinds of things. So somewhere along the line, I'm like, Oh, I'm Claire cognizant who knew what that was, but that's cool. Okay. That's what my experience is. So that's been, you know, in a sort of in a nutshell, what the path has been. And I now where I am today is fully embrace, you know, that this is a spiritual experience in a human body and continue to develop my skills as, as Amy and Sharon also do we just constantly, constantly um, seeking to expand ourselves and and improve what we do.
0: That is amazing. And it's led to whole Medium Academy. I know. So what have you done, if you wouldn't mind sharing, in terms of dipping your toes or exploring mediumship as part of your work?
2: Yeah. So um, some people might think, well, like, okay, you know, these courses are being taught by two mediums and a non-medium. So what's that about? Um, and as we've talked about, there is this, you know, perspective, critical voice and such that really applies. But there was a point about uh, maybe a year ago, maybe maybe a little bit less, where I thought, you know, let me, let me try this. I knew that I could make medium connections because um, some of Amy's loved ones over the years have talked to me. So in particular, after one of her grandmothers passed, Amy, you know, as a human was, of course, had a lot of grief. And some months went by and her grandmother finally said to me, I want to talk to her. Would you tell her I want to talk to her? I'm trying to talk to her. She won't talk to me. Like, fine, I will tell her. So I already (laughs) knew that I could do it. But what I didn't know is, can I do it for another person? And so I approached Sharon, our instructor, and I said, who does, um, she runs circles and she does mentorships, you know, private individual mentorships. I was like, would you be willing? And she said, of course. So I just placed myself kind of in her care and direction and and jumped in. And so, uh, you know, we, instructionally, you know, I'd been listening to classes for years. So I knew what the Clares were and I knew how you practice. I knew, I knew, right? So it was like... <laughs> okay, do it. So she paired me with um, sitters, people that were in her circles that she knew were safe and supportive. And just like anybody else, she's like, videotape it, and then we're going to look at it, and we're going to see what you learned. And so that's that's how we did it over a period of months. And I think that um, the biggest learning for me in that space from Sharon was, um, what does she call it? Conscious mind. So the part that I had to be careful about, I've been training for years. I've been coaching for years. I've been helping people for years. And so I had to take that part of myself and like, no, that doesn't get to come in. You're just going to relay. You're just going to relay. You know, you're not teaching. You're not training. You're not helping. You're not coaching. So that was a huge learning for me. And, you know, because of that, now when I see our students practicing, I'm even more clued into the mediumship parts, but I still leave that to Amy and Sharon. And I mostly focus on the whole person or wherever I'm thinking that their critical voices is is presenting them with difficulties, but I am more tuned into like, Oh, okay. That's what's going on that. Yeah. Been there. Yep. Oh yeah. That's annoying. Oh yeah. That's terrifying.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, I'm smiling it's as you're saying this because first of all I want to let our audience know we actually have a video where we have a practice circle with Sharon and if if you I want to watch it, it it's It's in our um, playlist on YouTube, and uh, you will. And Sharon's great with beginners. How Mm -hmm. she she talked to you about your conscious mind getting in the way, and then I love how you are beating yourself. No, that's my critical voice. Just relay the message. Relay the message. Relay the message. And and, and for you for you to have that experience uh, and being part of the whole Medium Academy and knowing what we all go through.
2: That was (laughs) was so important. You know, we, you know, we've sometimes talk about keeping it real. That was me like, okay, let's keep it real. Put yourself in their shoes, fall down, see what it's like, pick yourself back up. So that was my intention. And I had the full experience. Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> awesome! I, awesome, because yeah. I just see you as left brain, and to yeah. have your left brain self come in, you know, because you coach us all to be better, you know, our better selves. Yet you're actually experiencing how yeah. that comes into play again for mediumship. So, thank you.
2: It's so funny, because I will say to Amy, like, I don't know how you do what you do, and she will say to me, I don't know how you do what you do. So you know, it's it. I'm glad I I dip my toe into it, and I'm really clear that is not my path to be a medium for others. But it is my path to to fully understand the process of learning.
1: And the fact that you can connect, even, yeah. even as, um, I don't want to say rigid because that's not the right term, but <laughs> you have a goal in mind of coaching people and getting to the right place in their own right, right? In their own head, getting them to the right space. And that's very um, left brain thinking. But for you to open up to the spiritual side and actually connect, that that's a breakthrough in my, <laughs> in yeah. my mind.
2: Yep. Yeah. Where I'm focusing now, kind of like m- my current development and, you know, next steps is really uh, working with guides. Um, that's something I've been able to do for a while. I'm really excited by it. And I, I do have the sense of the potential for the more I develop those, the the, the guides relationships, the, the act- that that will actually flow into the school, into my teaching and into my coaching. So that's actually my current, let's say, current focus of my own spiritual growth is, is with guides.
1: That's awesome. Because I, I I say guides, but that's, that's the, it's not my own personal guides. They're guides in another realm, which we won't go into now, but I don't even connect with my own guides. And I I, honestly, it's, it's difficult for me. So I don't, I don't know why. Um, It's easier to me to connect with my angel light versus my own guides. So I love how you're addressing that. I'm sure it's, it's a lot of people are wondering how they can connect to their own guides.
2: Yeah. I've well, started bringing that into coaching actually. Yeah. Even, even outside of home medium, if, if a client, I never push it, right. I'm never, I'm not here to convert to like spiritual growth is a very personal matter and I'm never going to suggest it to somebody, but if they step forward and say, I heard about this, or I'm curious about this, I've started incorporating teaching about guides and into even outside of whole medium for those that like it. You were going to ask something, Janet. it looked like I cut you off.
0: I was just going to add that I learned to connect with my guides through whole medium Academy and the guided meditation that you guys have to get there. The, the, hallway, whole, meditation. the hallway meditation. Yeah. Yeah. So I have gotten to know my personal guides mm. by implementing that. Plus, my guides aren't shy. I'll practice mediumship and my guides will come through. One of my guides is named George. So they're like, I have George here. And I'm like, thanks for coming through. But, you know, getting to know your own personal guides is important and a separate part of connecting with the spirit world. It's not about mediumship. It's not about being psychic or whatever. It's about knowing that you have your team there and they are there and it they wait for you to ask for help. And we'll do a whole thing on guides because now we need to do this. So we'll talk yeah, about Yeah, we that need to do
1: that, Jen. Thing. Definitely.
0: Definitely. <laughs> episodes
2: on guides. But Jen, I, I, I completely agree with the way you just described it. Um, that's my experience. That's my sense in you know being part of other people's journeys is the way you just said it. So I'm not even going to repeat it. It was awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much for your wonderful advice. We also would like to ask you a personal question. What makes your heart sing?
2: You know, years ago, I went to a psychologist because I was having some career crises. I kept leaving my jobs. And at a certain point, I was like, my resume is not going to look good. There's obviously something wrong with me. And she said, there's nothing wrong with you. And what do you really like to do? And it was sort of like, what makes your heart sing question. And what I heard myself saying was, talking with people about things that matter to them. So that's what guided me to eventually discover the career of coaching. I didn't know it was a field, right? That's what brought me there. And I would say my version of that today is seeing as as we go through the classes, you know, people are with us sometimes three months, sometimes five months, sometimes longer, right? And watching the transformation that occurs So seeing somebody's face brighter, seeing their energy brighter, seeing them sit up taller, seeing them go out into the world and start podcasts and just, you know, fully being fully expressed. That's what makes my heart sing. That's why I do it.
1: Love it. Love it. All right. Well, can you tell us how people can reach you and what are your um, offerings?
2: Yeah. So the school is Whole Medium Academy. So the URL is wholemediumacademy.com. And we have a number of courses. Um, I won't give specific dates because we're always starting new cohorts, but we have foundations for mediumship. That's where people start. If they're beginners, there's no experience required, or maybe they've had some experiences of their own, uh, or they might be a practicing, let's say, psychic or healer, but they've never done any kind of mediumship. So that's the starting place is foundations for mediumship. Uh, Then we have what we call level one. And that's what you two have spoken about, which is uh, it's still for people who um, not necessarily want to be professional, but still developing for their own reasons. And that's a five month program. And then we have level two, which is when people have decided, yeah, I I really want to keep going with this thing. Um, so that's kind of the curriculum for learning mediumship. But then we also have, as we mentioned, group coaching, uh, which is a five, currently a five-session series. I lead it along with Dr. Karjula. And that's all about critical voice and the things that we spoke about. Uh, or individual coaching. And what else do we have? Uh, as well, you mentioned Sharon Jones our beginner specialist. And we know she has a secret sauce. We don't try to figure out what it is. We just let her do her thing. Um, But she also does private mentorships. And of course we have our practice circles, which we call mediumship mentoring circles. Um, And we keep those going on on an ongoing basis. So that's a, a little bit of what we're currently up to.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to share your personal experiences, tips on spiritual growth and spiritual journeys in and outside of mediumship and all about the critical voice. Thank you. We really appreciate it.
2: It's been a true pleasure to speak with both of you. I know you can sense, as I do, we could talk all day, probably all week, and we wouldn't run out of
1: things to say. So thank you both. Thank you both so much.